You're listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. We pray that as you hear this word, you would be encouraged and inspired as you pursue Jesus in your everyday life. All right, all right. Um, so, yeah, I've got something that I want to share with you guys this morning that dropped into me last week. How many of you were here last week and we had seven people get baptized? Four planned, three spontaneous. Well, God planned even those ones. But, uh, but it was just so much fun. Would you guys agree? Yeah. It was, it's, just, it's so good to see people uh, coming into a place of surrender to King Jesus in their lives. And, um, and I was being hit with this just thought as I was watching people get baptized. There's this phrase in the scripture that we read last week from Romans 6 that talks about how we're baptized into Christ. And we didn't talk much about that last week, and I was just like really sitting with that because the scripture's full of these really rich truths and realities that are connected to this phrase, in Christ. There's all sorts of great promises and and truths about spiritual realities that happen in our lives when we're in Christ. Right? Anybody know about a few of those? And, And there was one in particular that just jumped out at me as I was watching people get baptized last week. And it's in 2 Corinthians 5.17, and it says that if anyone is in Christ, they are, uh, can somebody fill it in for me? A new creation. They're a new creation. And so this morning, I wanted to look at and unpack a bit of that scripture and the the context that that statement is found in. So we're going to do that right now. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16 to 21. And I'm going to read it out to you, and then we'll, we'll, we'll jump off from there, okay? You guys ready? Here we go. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. This translation says it a little differently. That's where it says... If anyone's in Christ, they are a new creation in other translations. But this, this, this matters, the way it says it here. We'll talk about that in a bit. So I'll read again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There's so much in there. It is rich. It is deep. We're going we're gonna to look at a few specific parts this morning, um, and then we're going to receive communion together. Did everybody receive the communion elements on their way in? Um, if, if you didn't, we'll hand them out when the time comes. Um, so I know if we need to. Can I get a show of hands if you didn't receive communion elements on the way in? 
Okay. We'll do that when the time comes. Tess, can you help me with that when the time comes? Thank you. Um, okay, so here we have what we just read. This idea, we're new creation, right? Now think last week when people went down into the water and then they came up. Did they look to you like different people? There's some yeses. Was it, was it, was it, the, was it the same, you know, physical appearance that went into the water and came back up? Okay, so we've got, we've got this statement, though, but they're a new creation. We're a new creation when we're in Christ. But Paul makes this statement at the very beginning of what we read. So from now on, we no longer regard anyone according to a worldly point of view. In other translations, it says according to the flesh. We don't just regard people by their outward appearance. And when he says this, like, so from now on, he's referencing back to everything he's been talking about in the chapters before which he unpacks this whole idea that there's this treasure, this glory in the earthen vessels that are human beings. And it's because of that reality that we don't regard people just by their appearance, just by a worldly perspective. A worldly perspective is we judge people according to their looks, their sins and failures, or their accomplishments and their successes. And I was saying to you guys a few weeks ago, right, you are not your feelings. You are not your thoughts. You are not your sins. You are not your successes. You are who God says you are. And so Paul's calling us to regard one another in the same way, to regard one another as who God says we are. We've been talking about identity for for months here. And it's about coming into a place of really believing we are who God says we are. More than what we feel, more than what we've accomplished, more than how we may have failed and sinned. We are who God says we are. And he says we're a new creation. The scriptures say that if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. In other words, you're this like new type of creature that hasn't existed before. You are something completely different than you were before you were in Christ. It says, all things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. What does this mean? What does it mean to be a new creation? What exactly are we? Well, if you look to the very end of what we read, there's a pretty grand statement that Paul makes about what we become in Christ. What is this new creation? Let's read that last verse again. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the what? The righteousness of God. That we might become the righteousness of God. Now that, that I, I feel like when we hear that, it's just like, you're like, Paul, what the heck are you talking about? Does anybody feel that way when you read that statement? It's a little like, whew, over our heads. Like, what does it mean to be the righteousness of God? Well, 
Well, sometimes when we use this term righteousness, I feel like we get lost in translation with it. It's a bit of this old religious term. Would we agree? Like how often do you use the term righteousness in your day-to-day dealings with people at work or out shopping or anything? Anybody use the word righteousness very much in their day-to-day vocabulary? No? You got one hand out there. Someone's super spiritual in the back corner over here. No. <laughs> the, uh, the, another way to understand this term righteousness, okay, I feel like you could just say rightness. Righteousness is, is where things are made right, where things are as they should be. Like God actually has a design and an order that he's written into the universe and into you as a person. And righteousness, when righteousness is present, it means that things are right. Things are as they should be. Okay? You with me? I'm going to try and connect something here that, that, that I find amazing and I hope it encourages you and it inspires you in who you are here on the earth as God's new creation, okay? And it's interesting, right? The, the translation that popped into my head last week was if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. But this NIV translation put it this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Now, something gets lost in this moment, in this portion of Scripture, if we don't have the big picture narrative of Scripture in mind, okay? The narrative of Scripture is on this trajectory from, in the beginning, we're with God, we have union with God, God's way is ruling and reigning on the earth through us, His creation, right? You guys remember we've been talking about that a lot over the last couple months? And it's lost. Thank you, Hannah. And it's lost. It's lost through sin that is lost. And the restoration that Scripture leads up to at the very end in Revelation is heaven and earth come together again. Heaven and earth are reunited. The end of Scripture is this marriage, this union between God and man, this union between heaven and earth, new heaven, new earth, often referred to as new creation. There is this this promise in Scripture of a coming age, an age to come, when there is a new creation where heaven and earth are are one. We think a lot, like Western Christianity has built into our head this whole idea of I get saved, forgiven my sins, so that I can die and float off to heaven someday. But the, but the narrative of Scripture is actually about heaven and earth coming together. When heaven and earth come together, it's where God's kingdom reigns, where God is king, where God is Lord. And what happens where God is king? What was the answer, Kelly? Righteousness, rightness, binge, yes. Things made right. Righteousness and justice are the foundations of his throne, is what the psalmist writes. 
In other words, the very kingdom, the very rule and reign of God is built upon these things, righteousness and justice. Like the whole idea of sin is a breaking away from the way things ought to be. Justice, God's justice, is a restoration to the way things ought to be. In other words, righteousness, rightness. Are you with me? So when God is king, and where God is king, rightness prevails. Justice is done. Love and goodness prevail. Read Psalm 72 someday if you want a picture of what it looks like where God is king. The oppressed are set free. The captives are liberated. Injustice is made right. Good things happen where God is king. And there is this promise in Scripture of an age to come when heaven and earth are reunited and God is king. And the distinct difference that will be in the age to come compared to this is that the full manifestation of the lordship of Jesus will be seen and felt throughout the earth. Righteousness and justice will reign. All that is evil and broken will be restored. The promise of Jesus in Revelation 21 is, Behold, I'm making all things new. I'm going to wipe away sorrow and tears and all of the pain and the grief and the suffering. I'm going to wipe it away and make all things new. Does that sound good to anybody? Does our world need the lordship and the rule and reign of Jesus? I tell you what, like what our world longs for, whether we recognize it or not, is the rule and reign of King Jesus. The righteousness of God. The rightness, the putting things right. Other words, in this scripture we read, reconciliation, reconciling the world to God. Putting things back to the way they should be. That is the promise of the age to come. You're with me, right? Now let's read this again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Read it again. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Are you still with me? Got a couple nods. I'll put it to you this way. In Christ, the new creation that we become, the righteousness of God on the earth, you live as a manifestation of the age to come. That's the invitation. The invitation of God to us when we're in Christ, is that we live to some degree here and now as representations, manifestations of that age to come. The new heavens, new earth, the new creation manifest here and now on earth to some degree. Where? Where? 
in us, in you, if you are in Christ, there is some degree already of union between heaven and earth, between God and humanity, in you. Where righteousness is restored. Where things are made right. Paul said, right, Jesus, when he was here, he went about in the world reconciling the world to God, not counting their sins against them. Jesus went about making things right. Anybody ever reconcile a bank statement? Anybody ever done that in this room? I know my wife has. She takes care of that in our house. Thank you, dear. When you reconcile a bank statement, you take your bank statement and you take a record of all, your own personal record of all your receipts and your spending. And you compare them. And you make sure that they match. Correct? In theory, yes. That's, that's the whole point, okay? That is the whole reason why we do it. When the righteousness of God is, is put forth in the earth, it's like, that, it's like that record that you compare to. Okay, is what's happening in the world, what's happening in me, what's happening around me, can I reconcile it with that reality of who God is, of what is right, of what it, the way things should be? Are you with me? I know I'm wrestling through big ideas here. Paul puts it this way, okay? So here you are. You are a manifestation of this new creation reality of the age to come. To some degree, here and now on the earth. As the righteousness of God. Mind-blowing to me. And what is, he gives us a metaphor in the middle of this passage. It's in, it's in verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So what's the picture he gives us? We're what? What are we on the earth? Ambassadors. What does an ambassador do? Represents what? Another kingdom. Another culture. Right? An ambassador lives in a different culture, in a different country, as a representative of their country, of their kingdom, of their culture. And so you, as now, to some degree, the righteousness of God on the earth represent a culture that's marked by righteousness and justice, love and goodness. You're an ambassador of that culture. Anybody ever move? I know there's people in the house here. You've moved here from other countries, correct? We got one here, Whiteson. So Carolyn, Telsey, Kelly. We got lots of hands. I'm not going to name you all, okay? We got people from different cultures here. Now, I don't know what it's like in all of your homes, but I remember having friends in high school who were from their families were from different countries, and let's just pick one, you know, say Mexico. And they would say this. They would be like, when I go home, I'm in Mexico. When I walk out the front door, I'm in Canada. 
And it's like, they're just like, in, in the house, it's a whole different culture, right? That's sort of what this is like, okay? There's a culture here that we're seeking to foster that's the culture of the kingdom of heaven, marked by righteousness and justice, by love and goodness to one another and equity and on and on we could say, essentially like the fruits of the Spirit, right? But when we go out from here, we're going out to represent that culture to the world. Can I get an amen? We're to carry the culture of heaven. You're this new creation, the very righteousness of God on the earth as an ambassador for Jesus, for the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who is better than any other Lord, than any other king, than any other way of life. King Jesus is the best. That's worthy of an amen, okay? King Jesus is the best. Thank you. And when righteousness is in the earth, like let's, let's just talk about the supreme righteousness, namely Jesus himself. When he was in the earth, how did he go about pleading with people to be reconciled to God? Right? Because it says that he was in the earth reconciling people to God. And it says that it's as though God is now in us pleading, be reconciled to God, be made right with God. Now, I don't know about you, but oftentimes when we hear this religious term, righteousness, I don't know about you, but I would, I would maybe get the idea that righteousness was in the earth being like, sinners, you pathetic little, did you see, you know, like, holding up the standard and you failed miserably. Does that remind you of the ministry of Jesus? Has anybody in here ever read the story of Jesus in the Gospels? Can I get a show of hands? I didn't know what kind of church family we are here. It says this. Look at this. Uh, verse 19, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. He went about, like, he, he definitely recognized sin. That's why he died on the cross. The cross is a massive indictment to us of how bad our sin is. Hopefully we've made that clear enough around here that sin's a bad thing, not good. Can we say that together? Sin, bad. Good. Okay. But Jesus didn't just go around being like, sinner, sinner, sinner. Oh, you're a sinner too? You're definitely a sinner? No. It's like Jesus went around doing good and healing the sick multiplying food, hanging out with tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes and all that sort of stuff it says about him. He didn't, although he was 
holier than them all. He didn't walk around with the holier than thou air about him. Do you know what I'm saying? He freely served the world around him with the rightness of God, with the justice, with the putting things as they should be. His life preached. He definitely preached with words, and he said hard words. This is not like a message to just be like, oh, there be nice enough and you'll win the world. You know, it's like, no, there's a message of repentance, okay? But the way it's brought has to look like Jesus. Otherwise, we're not ambassadors for Christ. If anyone is in Christ, you're a new creation. He, let's, let's I want to, okay. I'm not going to go there just yet. I want, you to, I want you to think with me in these terms, okay? You are an outpost, if you will, for the kingdom of God. So when you leave this place, you are going out as an outpost of the age to come, of the new creation, of God's kingdom, rule and reign. And everywhere you go, you bring that. That's why Jesus could say everywhere he went, the kingdom has come near to you. These are big ideas, but my heart is is that as you catch them, as they get inside you, your imagination would start to go, what would that look like? That is what this whole microchurches conference this coming weekend is about. So if you're like wrestling with what could that look like, come, hear stories. Hear the stories of others. Be inspired. Be equipped. Our longing, our desire for this church community is that we would be more than just a great meeting on Sundays, but that the great meeting on Sundays would result in great impact in our city as you go out as outposts, as ambassadors for this kingdom where righteousness and justice reign. Maybe it does look like helping the homeless, like Kelly said. Maybe it looks like being part of a Young Life team and going into schools and connecting with youth. Maybe it looks like serving in a youth group at the church or a kids' ministry down the hall at the church. Maybe it looks like Board games with people you know like board games and need Jesus. Maybe it looks like basketball with people you know like basketball and need Jesus. Whatever it could be. There's so many expressions for how the kingdom can come through your life. But what I'm convinced of is that we can't make ourselves the righteousness of God. We can't make ourselves a new creation. We can't try hard enough to pull it off. And so how? What is this like like how does this work? I'm convinced more and more in my journey cuz I've tried. I've tried really hard. I become more and more convinced what I need is I need to believe the gospel. I need to actually behold what Jesus has done on the cross, 
who he is, what he's like, how he showed up in the earth, and believe he did it for me. He was in the earth not counting my sins against me. Freely serving, freely giving of himself for me. And as that runs deep, it begins to shape how you interact with the people around you. His generosity towards you becomes generosity from you toward others. Like if you look back through the scripture we read this morning, the active player all throughout is God. God makes us a new creation. God's reconciling the world to himself. God gives us the ministry of reconciliation. And the most staggering of all was that last verse we read. Like, listen to that. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It causes me to think about it this way. God made him who had no sin become sin for us so that we who had lots of sin might become the righteousness of God. It's mind-blowing. In case it's unclear, you don't deserve this. We didn't, through our much sinning, earn this standing with God. He freely, in his love, comes. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords who comes in and says, Hey, listen, you owe me a lot. I'll pay it for you. This is what the cross is all about. This is what baptism we saw last week is all about, where, where we bring our junk, our sin to him, and he gives us his righteousness. It's this crazy exchange. It's like we walk to him with a, with a, with a bucket full of mud and he hands us a, a giant chest full of gold. That's the gospel. So God's righteousness in you on the earth looks like not counting people's sins against them, not holding it against them, but freely serving the world around us bringing things back to the way they should be. Do you want to be a part of that? Do you want to be a manifestation of the age to come here on earth? You already are. You're in Christ. It's, it's a done deal. He's done it. He's already reconciled you to God on the cross. The issue is, is that we need the Holy Spirit to help us believe it. And as we believe it more, it begins to manifest through our lives. And so it's with that, and on that note, we want to receive communion this morning. Once you have your communion, could we stand together? We're going to do this together as a family today. All right. Thank you, Jesus. 
And I'm just going to read actually one verse before what Caleb was reading. And it says this, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross that while we were still dead in our sin, you didn't count that against us, but you gave yourself up for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. And through your blood, we can be healed. We are reconciled to God. And through your body, Jesus, that was broken for us. So you can take and eat. I love those rappers. It's all good. We're family here, so. God, we thank you for the blood of Jesus that was shed for the remission of sins. God, I thank you that now that we are part of your body, you are calling us as your ambassadors. But first and foremost, we look to you, Christ Jesus, and we receive your grace. We receive the free gift of salvation, and we are ever grateful So today, our, my encouragement, what we were talking with Caleb about is that we would behold Christ Jesus first, that we would look to him and receive his unending love and grace for us. So as you drink this, would you just look to Christ? You can drink. Thank you, Lord. God, thank you for the free gift of salvation. Thank you that you have reconciled us to Jesus, that there is an invitation for us to have a right relationship with God. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you for being part of this service. I, we don't want you to leave. If you need prayer today and you need to connect with someone for prayer, there'll be someone standing up here that you can come and just ask for prayer. We want to make space for that. Um, and I also want to remind you to please pick up your kids from Roots. And we love you so much. <laughs> yes, they're working hard out there. We love you so much. Thank you for coming to church. Thank you for coming to Life Tree. Be blessed as ambassadors of Christ Jesus as you go throughout your week. Amen. And thank you for joining us online. Thank you for listening to the LifeTree Church Sermon of the Week. At LifeTree, we are a family all about declaring and displaying Jesus to transform lives and benefit our city. If you'd like to find out more about LifeTree, you can find us online at lifetree.ca.